All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Very Cold Lasagna, the podcast that houses a safe and open listening platform for casual, cold, and even the dumbest takes in the world of WWE, AEW, the NFL, and the wide world of pro wrestling and sports in general. I'm your host, Dylan Lasagna. Welcome to today's episode, episode number 71 of this freezing cold podcast that is in the Very Cold Fridge that also houses that very cold yet spicy as hell lasagna. <laughs> Anyway, it is time to talk again about my San Francisco 49ers. And it's another week. And it was a nice one to bat as they had their week 14 matchup. A must-win game um, as well against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Cincinnati, that old, 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 uh, good old Cincinnati. Um, It was a must-win game for the 49ers to keep their playoff hopes alive. As well as Cincinnati too because they need to keep their playoff hopes in their conference as well. Uh, we're going to be talking about that game, my winners and losers um, for the 49ers side, my takeaways from that game for the red and gold, and we're going to be previewing their Week 15 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. And before we do, make sure you listen to the show however you can and wherever you can, uh, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, any way you can. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe, turn on that notification bell, so you'll be listening to, listening and following the show however you can. Make sure you uh, follow the show on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at VeryColdLasagna. So let's talk about this game between the 49ers and the Bungles. The Bengals, mind you. <laughs> Their week 14 um, matchup. Um, it was a must-win game for both teams. Um, both teams were coming off really bad losses the week before in week 13. You know, for the Niners, they were coming off a loss in a game that they should have won against a 4-8, now 5-8 uh, Seattle Seahawks team. Um, 23-30, which saw Jimmy G perform pretty badly. He had two interceptions, and those two interceptions were pretty key into the Seahawks beating them at their own game. Of You know, run first, control the clock. Um, that, that approach by Kyle Shanahan, that kind of offense that he wanted to run. And Pete Carroll and the Hawks beat them at it in week 13. Uh, meanwhile, for the Bengals, um, you know, they nearly came back in a game where they pretty much had a lot of self-induced mistakes um, in, in a game that they could have won against the LA Chargers. But um, those mistakes that I just mentioned, and as well as a finger injury, to Joe Burrow ended up um, for them, they ended up getting smoked um, by Justin Herbert and those Chargers 41 to 22 um, in that same week. So both of the um, both teams had their playoff chances. Take a a kind of like a minor hit, but you know this was a game where both teams needed to win. And for the Bengals, um, they saw the Ravens um, lose. Their 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 matchup against the Cleveland Browns and the Ravens um, also lost Lamar Jackson in that game at least tempor- temporarily um, to a low ankle sprain and um, you know this was an opportunity for them had they if they were gonna win this game they could take uh, sole possession of first place in the AFC North because they already won the first matchup um, back in week I think it was week week nine um, where they beat the Ravens but either way. This was an opportunity for them to clinch first place in their division. Meanwhile, for the 49ers, 
Um, they just needed to get a bounce back win and, you know, reclaim that sixth seed that they lost to Washington. And fortunately for them, um, the football team had already lost um, earlier in the day to the Dallas Cowboys where Taylor Heineke just got beaten up um, by um, that Dallas front seven. So it was going to be a must win and desperate game for both teams. Um, you know, the Niners weren't going to have Emmanuel Mosley on the defensive end and uh, running back Elijah Mitchell on the offensive end. But, you know, they were getting two important pieces um, back for this game. And that was receiver Debo Samuel and linebacker uh, Fred Warner. Um, so even though they lost them, they want, uh, they got some back. So all in all, they were heading into this one, you know, I'd say 50-50 in terms of who would, who would they were going to have. So we get... We get to the start of this game, you know, Niners get the ball first, and here we are from the get-go already. It was kind of like the same theme from last week, you know, Kyle Shanahan is trying to try to control the clock with this run-first approach, but then, obviously, right out of the gate, it doesn't work. And two plays later, into their opening drive, Jimmy G typically took a sack after two failed runs by Jeff Wilson Jr., so... The Niners had the punt, and lo and behold, from there, you would see Jimmy G having to, you know, take more control of the offense. But more on that later. So the front seven, um, how and made the presence felt early and often. You know, linebackers, Brad Warner and Aziz Al Shahir, they put the early heat on Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. You know, they forced the Bengals to punt um, early in their possession, and um, even though the Bengals were able to stall the Niners offense again. And I was just like, why? Why? Um, the Bengals um, went to full-on bungles mode um, as they were having a lot of special teams miscues in this one. And it started here in the first quarter. Um, some some dude, um, their punt returner, um, they he muffed a punt. Um, and the Bengals gave the Niners another chance on offense. And even though they couldn't fully capitalize on it, they turned it into a three-nothing lead midway through the first quarter, and you know these special teams issues continued for the Bungles. You know they even on the ensuing kickoff, even though they recovered it, you know the kick returner like muffed it again. I'm like, dude, did, did you eat too much Butterfinger? Like, did did you eat too much? You know those uh those sweets, those like nice candies, um before the game. Like, what is it with, with receivers or with players eating butterfinger um <laughs> before games it ain't it's not what you should be doing before games guys come on now so the secondary gave up a couple of big plays um against the bungles in this drive but you know the def the front seven um forced another fumble on joe burrow and um they stalled their offense enough you know to have them settle for a field goal so it's all tied up Three, three apiece, and I was thinking um, early in the game, you know, the defense, um, you know, the secondary is not bending and it's not breaking, but I mean, it's giving up big plays, sure, but you know, they're doing a good job so far of, you know, getting to Joe Burrow and, you know, you know, doing just enough to contain them, to keep them in check. So towards the end of the first quarter, you know, the running game begins to pick up steam next to that offensive line, um, even especially the left side. The right side, not so much, because they eventually began to give um, later on in the game. But 
Either way, Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel um, managed to get a lot of running room thanks to the offensive line. And um, Debo nodded a 27-yard touchdown. Um, Niners went up 10-3 early in the second quarter. And that defensive line on the next possession, on the next drive for the Bengals, you know, they continued to impress. Um, They forced Joe Burrow to run out of bounds um, third down. And they were putting a lot of heat on him um, throughout this game. And, you know, there was a lot of good things to like about this defensive front. Um, You know, even though the Niners punted again, um, as they often did (laughs) in this one, um, the Bengals, um, you know, they initially turned it over too. Like, you know, I thought the Niners would have gotten an interception um, at midfield, but problem was uh, Ambry Thomas, uh, the third round, the third round pick from April, uh, he was flagged for hands to the face. And um, keep in mind, this was his like first meaningful game, um, meaningful action since like ever, like for the first time in forever. Um, so this this would be a very common theme for for Thomas. So yeah, keep that. Let's keep that in mind. Um, the, you know the Bengals drove deep down into the Niners red zone um but the defense again held serve they forced another field goal so the defense playing big once again and only forcing three points from the Bengals um special teams for the Bengals you know continue to be an issue again it continued to bite them in the ass um after the Niners had the punt special teams got butterfingers all over the ass um they muffed another punt the Niners recovered it and this time around um the Niners converted it into a touchdown. Um, Jimmy G found George Kittle into the end zone and put them up 17 to 6 into halftime. And I gotta say, you know, I was a little impressed um, with what I've seen so far from um, these Niners. You know, after a slow couple of minutes, um, the, the Bengals went full on bungles. They were bungling this game away. And the Niners took full, full advantage of it. They netted 17 points. Um, uh, off those uh, special teams miscues, even though like three of those uh, miscues, um, the Niners actually recovered. But still, you know they were they were pretty much attacking them aggressively, and you know that's what exa- that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You know, Jimmy G, despite you know some miscues, he actually looked pretty all right. Um, and when he really got George Kittle involved, um, when he threw it to him like for a good chunk of this first half, you know. He, they, they proved to be a good one-two uh, combo, and the defensive line, you know, they really they really impressed me here. Um, I think they were the big the big people that stepped up in this one because they they put the heat. They really put the heat on Joe Burrow. They they really limited it. They limited him in in this portion of the game. So hopefully they weren't going to let up. Um, they were going to continue to add on in the second half, um, and you know. That momentum from the first half, it carried over. It carried over into the third quarter. Um, the Bengals, you know, they oddly decided to go three and out via three consecutive runs. This is something that the Niners would typically do um, in their opening drives. Um, and oddly, the Bengals decided to take a little page, a little page out of our handbook and go for three consecutive runs. And that was weird. Very, very weird. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Jimmy G, and, you know, he actually continued to run the offense with succession. Um, but 
problem was when the Niners actually got to the red zone um, midway through the third quarter. Um, I don't know why Jimmy didn't throw it to a wide open Kyle Juszczyk. Like he had him wide open <laughs> instead of going to him, instead of throwing the ball to him, he instead tried to look for the tight window. I think it was a uh, Trent Sherfield or George Kittle. Um, tried to get, fit that window into, and he went for that. He also could have gotten intercepted if he threw if he threw it like earlier than the, uh into that tight window. Like, dude, you had in, a touchdown that could have sealed that game. Like, instead, we had to settle for three. Um, I mean, twenty to six, but still, it could have been more than that. It could have been more than that. So the Bengals pretty much spent the rest of the third quarter trying to make their way back to the field. And once they got back to um, the Niners' red zone, Joe Burrow got sacked by Samson Mibuka and Arden Key. And things only got worse for the Bengals because their kicker, Eric McPherson, completely missed the, the field goal attempt. So uh, when, when you saw that, you know, the Bengals, things were just not going right for them and, you know, for the Niners, um, even though they couldn't really take advantage of their opportunities um, in the third quarter, you know, it, you know, you thought at this point, you know, things might end up in the Niners' favor heading into the fourth quarter. Um, there was just one problem. Um, there was just one problem for the Niners. Um, I, the, the, the ghosts of Super Bowl pass came back to bite them here. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, they started to play a little too conservative here. Um, you know, they, they ran it on first and second down. And then when they didn't get the, the first down on second down, they decided to throw it on third down. And when they tried to throw it on third down, um, well, let's say the garbage from Jimmy G reared its ugly head and he took some needless sacks that gave the Bengals possession um, when the Niners had to punt. So when the Niners had to punt all throughout the fourth quarter, um, at least for most of it, um, the terribleness of the secondary also reared its ugly head. You know, they started to give up big plays to T. Higgins and Jamar Chase, um, who managed to get a wide open fourth and five touchdown um, to cut the deficit to 20 to 13. And keep in mind, um, Ambry Thomas was just getting bullied in this game. Um, he was just getting burnt like JR, Jim Ross's uh, barbecue. He was getting burnt like barbecue chicken. <laughs> So anyway, um, much later in the game, um, the Niners offense still can't get anything going. They're still trying to play, you know, conservative football for whatever reason. Um, Joe Burrow um, led a two-minute drill that led to a lob bomb touchdown to Jamar Chase to tie the game. And it also saw Ambry Thomas get burnt again. So the Niners still had a lot of time. They had like over a minute uh, left to, you know, push this downfield and you know get in Robbie Gold's range to get the game winner so they got in his range you know and also saw Jimmy G connect with George Kittle get for a badass it, it was a, like a really good catch um, for Kittle the problem was it was all for that because Robbie Gold missed the field goal wide right he pushed it wide right it's like this dude, I think he's he just got an extension last summer, and um, he, he, he's doing this stuff. You can't be doing this kind of thing. You can't be like missing these clutch kicks in 
the biggest of moments. Like, you got to win these games, man. You got to win these games if, if, if it calls upon you. So the game goes into overtime, and um, the Bungles get the, the ball first because um, they won the coin toss. And um, Nick Boza, man, he he has been having himself a game. You know, he's had, I think, two of the the five sacks on Joe Burrow, or three, if, I, if I'm getting this right. But he has been he was one of the main factors um, in this game. He once again on third down when the the Niners and the Bengals were in the red zone in in the red zone when the Bengals were in scoring position. Nick Boza sacked Joe Burrow again, and the Bengals had to settle for a field goal. Nick Boza just saved the Niners from losing in that situation. Uh, now it was up to the 49ers to mark back down to the field, finish the game, and win it. And in a slow and methodical push, you know that's what they did. They made their way back to the red zone, and after the two-minute warning, Jimmy G sidearmed a pass to Brandon Ayuk. And he ran it down the sideline and um, reached for the pylon. It was initially ruled a yard short by the officials, um, but they overturned it and gave the Niners a victory. 20 to, 26 to 20. And, wow. That was a game. That was an insane game. It was insane. So, you know, for as crazy as this game was, and, you know, it, it shouldn't have been because there was, like, a big op- missed opportunity um, from Jimmy G um, to give it to Kyle Hughes that would have ended the game earlier um, in the third quarter. I gotta say, you know, this was one of the better wins by the 49ers. A really good bounce back win. Um, you know, the Bengals committed their own um, mistakes on special teams in the first half. And, you know, the Niners could have taken a bigger advantage of it, you know, had they recovered some of uh, the other two um, fumbles that the Bengals did on special teams. Um, this could have gotten out of hand for the Bengals and, and more in favor for the Niners really quick. Um, this could have been a blowout in favor of the Niners. Um, but still, I um, it was a 17-6 ha- halftime lead. Um, and like I said, you know, had Jimmy G found Kyle Juszczyk wide open in the end zone, I mean, he was like literally right there, the game w- could have been over by then. And when, when the offense started to get conservative, when Kyle Shanahan started to, you know, Go back to the well of Super Bowl mistakes. You know, it started to cause problems for not just his offense, but for the secondary. Um, it went caused the secondary to go back into their usual terrible behavior of not being able to cover um, opposing receivers. Um, and it, it was just <laughs> allowed them to come back. And it was just like something that didn't need to happen. But nonetheless, the Niners managed to limit the, the Bengals. Um when it came to overtime and you know it let themselves get back in the game and win it when it mattered most so it was a big bounce back um for the Niners who needed it to stay in the playoff race which is pretty wild it is pretty wild um but still it is also kind of a back door um behind the Rams at this point and um for the for the moment you know they currently sit as the sixth seed um, you know, they overtaken Washington for the most part. Uh, now it's on to taking care of their own business um, in in the division. I think they have one more um, um, AFC game in the Tennessee Titans after the Falcons. But uh, oh, they, oh, they also have the Texans. But yeah, you <laughs> get my drift. Um, but overall, 
this was a good victory. This was a good victory for the Niners. And for as much as I'm pretty against their delusional playoff hopes, because it's pretty much the back door into getting whooped in the first round. Hey, this was a good win. This was a good win uh, for the Niners against a Bengals team that was also needy for a win. Now it's first from the winners and losers of week 14 for um, the 49ers, George Kittle. The more you involve him, the more he plays like an absolute beast. And Kyle Shanahan uh, should have been in, uh, having him been involved in the passing game since the very beginning. I don't know why they've been trying to use him as a blocker for the early portions of the season. But this is how they should have been using it um, all season long. You know, he, Kyle Shanahan knows that Jimmy G and George Kittle have undeniable chemistry for his, I mean, for his, inconsistent as Jimmy G is as a quarterback, there's no denying that Jimmy G and George Kittle have great chemistry. I'll give it I'll Jimmy I'll give Jimmy G that. So I I will say that when Jimmy G connects with George Kittle, he's unstoppable. He is un, George Kittle's unstoppable. So I guess the Niners are just gonna have to feed Kittle a lot more if they want to make that delusional playoff run. Uh Brandon Ayuk, you know his reemergence in the offense continued on Sunday. Um, you know, he got a season high in targets and, um, you know, he's gained more catches and, you know, he's been doing so well, you know, with his routes, um, you know, getting past defenders, um, as I've been saying for weeks now. And, you know, since Debo Samuel's been um, hurt or he's been kind of like going into that um, hybrid of wide receiver and running back, Ayuk has been stepping up as one of the top receivers in this team. And, you know, he's continuing to mold himself as a top guy in San Francisco. And hopefully that continues um, towards the rest of the season. Um, the Niners defensive line, you know, their pass rush was excellent on Sunday. This is probably what their best game of the season. Um, you know, they sacked Joe Burrow five times. They pressured him all game long. Um, I, this is honestly, I think this was one of my keys to victory um, from last week. And Nick Boza netted two of those five sacks. He was one of the instrumental pieces in making Burrow rattled all game long. So even though the secondary remains much of an issue, the defensive line under defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans continues to get better. And it'll continue to get better as they as they stay healthy and they get more games in. Now as for some of the losers, um, corner Ambry Thomas, um, you know, I get it. Thomas was thrown into the fire. Um, because Emmanuel Mosley was out with injury. And um, I think my my kind of gripe with um, Thomas starting now is that he should have been like at least, you know, been in the rotation um, all throughout the season. Like, he shouldn't have been starting, but, you know, he should have been, like, rotated in and out um, with Mosley and Norman and other guy and, like, whoever else was in there. Because, you know, even though he wasn't deemed as ready by um, Ryan, D'Amico Ryans or Kyle Shanahan, you should have at least gave him a little bit of playing time. Because, like, how how is he going to, you know, be, get any kind of experience when, um, you know, like, unless if you want to burn him like barbecue chicken. So, this game kind of exposed um, his lack of, lack of an NFL playing experience experience big time here because well against one of the best receivers this season in jamar chase he got burnt he got burnt 
to a crisp like Jim Ross's good old barbecue and Shaquille O'Neal's barbecue chicken. And that included the game time touchdown. So, I mean, I'm not going to roast on him too hard um, because hopefully he'll learn and, you know, grow from this, uh, this first game. And hopefully he'll get some more meaningful action going forward. Uh, Robbie Gold, you know, um, unlike previous seasons, um, he's been not as good as Gold. And it really showed in this one. You know, he's been missing pretty makeable field goals and extra points all season long. And in a clutch situation like the one that was presented towards the end of this game on Sunday, he pooped his big point pants. He really did. I mean, he's getting paid too much to fail in situations like this one. Um, you know, he could have prevented overtime, but he pushed it wide right. I'm not sure how he did it or what caused it, but he's getting paid too much to to fail in clutch situations. So either way, it, it's been a not a good season for the vet, for the Niners veteran kicker. So some takeaways from this game, um, you know. The Niners get a win. They have they got a win with Jimmy G. Not in spite of Jimmy G, or not because of any other factors. It is because of Jimmy G. They they, they actually got a win because of Jimmy G. So when the they, they didn't they didn't have the run heavy approach that they often relied on because Elijah Mitchell was out and Jeff Wilson Jr. was playing hurt. So Kyle Shanahan, as I said. For the last couple of weeks, eventually he had to turn to Jimmy G. He had to turn to Jimmy Garoppolo to run this offense, even though obviously he didn't trust him. But unlike the last couple of weeks, or unlike the last the other instances, he actually led the team to victory. I mean, sure, he had a couple of bad throws and, and some bad mistakes, bad reads, and he even almost threw a, a pick six towards the end of the game. Um uh, the end of regulation, but you know this was still one of his better games. Um, and if Shanahan trusted Jimmy G a little bit more, and Jimmy G played like he did on Sunday and in the early portions of 2018, and you know when he came to San Francisco in 2017, you know the Niners would actually be a very decent team um, outside of the secondary um, than the ones we saw during the midseason where they're just pooping all over the place. And I'll say this, Nick Boza is Comeback Player of the Year. <laughs> he, he he should be nominated for Comeback Player of the Year. He's having himself a big year. Coming off that ACL injury a year ago, he's having himself multi-game sacks. Um, you know, He's helping the defensive line create pressure up front. He's always a force to be reckoned with. So hopefully he gets nominated for Comeback Player of the Year. Um, and then lastly, you know, the Niners, at least for this game, they saved their delusional playoff hopes uh, with this win, and you know they get some help too. You know, the Niners win over the Cincinnati Bungles. Um, it helped them. It helped them in a big way in their crazy push for a backdoor entrance into the NFC playoffs. <laughs> and it also helped them because um, you know Washington already lost um, um, to the Cowboys earlier in the day, and you know it, that helped their cause um, for the 49ers to reclaim their sixth seed. Um, from the football team. Um, but even then, you know, if the Niners want to make that backdoor entrance into the playoffs, um, they got to take care of the business, um, starting with the Falcons and then the Titans, the Texans, and an all-important matchup 
to end the season against the Rams. And obviously, you know, they have to have some cards fall into place um, for them to get their one-way ticket into the postseason. So those are just my thoughts on this Week 14 matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. A good win. A good win at that. Um, now, can they carry that momentum heading into Week 15 and beyond? We'll see. Hopefully, they will. So speaking of Week 15, um, the, the Niners' next matchup, let's talk about it. Let's talk about their next matchup um, in Week 15 against the Atlanta Falcons. So going into this um, um, matchup between two um, two teams that are still somehow in the playoff picture, uh, both teams won their matchups in Week 14. The Falcons beat the Carolina Panthers 29 to 21, but don't let that box score, don't let that final score fool you because um, the score was actually a little less reflective than what actually happened. You know, the Falcons um, actually had this game very well in hand. Um, They're actually up at one point, 29 to 14 um, at, at one point. And then it, during, all throughout this game, Cam Newton was just the gift that kept on giving. Um, for the Falcons defense and that included a pick six and Cam Newton was just proving to the to the world that he's washed as hell <laughs> he has washed as hell he, he he's making self-induced sacks he is fumbling the ball this is a game this is a, a Cam Newton showcase right here I mean that's not to say that the offense um, for the Falcons you know um, didn't do anything but it was more so the the Panthers being being bad on offense than it was the Falcons doing anything in this game. Meanwhile, for the Niners, obviously, um, you know, they bounced back from that week 13 loss to Seattle by outlasting the Bengals in overtime. You know, Niners um, actually had had that game um, in hand, but had they not been conservative in the fourth quarter um, and allowing the Bengals to come back, they would have won the game um, decisively. But nonetheless, um, they outlasted the Bengals 26 to 20. Brandon Ayuk scored the game-winning touchdown by reaching for the pylon and scoring that bad boy in to notch the victory to net themselves at eight and six. So the Falcons so far um, during the season, for all it's worth, you know they're six and seven, and just like a bunch of other teams, they're still very much alive in the playoff race. They're in the crowded mess um, that is called the NFC Wild Card picture. Um, under first-year head coach and former Tennessee Titans offensive coordinator Arthur Smith, the Falcons have had—they've uh, been a very hit-and-miss team. You know, they're not sure if they want to—you know—they want to compete or if they want to rebuild. They're kind of like in that um, purgatory. They—they're not sure what to do. So even at six and seven, all of their wins have been one-score affairs against bottom-feeder teams like the Jets, the Dolphins, the Saints. And those those teams that I just mentioned were one were not only one score affairs, but teams like the Dolphins and the Saints were last second game winners by their kicker Young Way Koo. So, other than that, three they're they're six and seven for a reason because three of their seven losses um, were blowout defeats at the hands of actual playoff contenders. The Bucks destroyed them. The Cowboys especially destroyed them, and the Patriots even blanked their asses. So this their seven their losses to those playoff teams exposed how limited this team really is and how much 
uh, the, the Falcons front office didn't really invest um, in, you know, putting together a, a competitive team or even like considering whether or not they wanted to rebuild um, this past uh, off season. So Matt Ryan, you know, he's still under center for, for Atlanta. He's still the QB. Um, however, he doesn't have Hulu Jones around um, to throw to anymore because now he's in Tennessee. Um, and, you know, he, he had Calvin Ridley for half a season, but the problem was, um, you know, for Calvin Ridley, um, he decided he, he elected to take a mental health break um, for the for the rest of the season. Um, uh, it was initially temporarily, but it look, looking towards um, the rest of the season. But I mean, hey, your health comes first, um, first and foremost, and hopefully um, he does all all well with it. So outside of uh, Calvin Ridley, though, and Matt Ryan, he barely has any help around him. He doesn't have an offensive line to speak of. And I mean, the other reliable weapon besides Calvin Ridley are running backs Cordell Patterson and Mike Davis, as well as the fourth overall pick, uh, the tight end from Florida, Kyle Pitts, um, who honestly actually hasn't been that involved in recent weeks, and the often inconsistent Russell Gage. So the problem is when those are your reliable guys and any of those guys are shut down by defenses, it's been proven that you know the Falcons can't move the ball without them. So, like I said, their top receiving option, Calvin Ridley, it, he's been out um, since week since week eight um, due to a non-football uh, issue with, like I said, the mental health. And you know their defense for, for the Falcons, it's not particularly formidable. It's actually been you know pretty much the same for the last three years. You know, pretty pretty bad, uh, pretty so so. Um, they make plays um, every every so occasionally, and uh, you know they get burnt by by elite talent. So they tend to give up a lot of big plays and a lot of points, especially against the cream of the crop against the the rest of the, the rest of the NFL. So in essence, you know the Falcons came into the season with subpar players on both sides of, both sides of the ball. Again, this is a front office that wasn't sure. Whether they want to compete for a playoff spot or rebuild, they're not sure. So at six and seven, sure, there's some promising signs for um, head coach Arthur Smith um, for next year. But right now, they don't resemble a contender, at least for this year. Um, like I said, recently they beat their division rival, the Carolina Panthers. They swept the season series, twenty-nine to twenty-one. And but again, that was a game where Cam Newton, Cam Newton pretty much. <laughs> pretty much proved that he was washed as hell um, in that one by giving the gift that kept on giving by handing out free sacks, free turnovers, a free pick six to the Falcons in that game. Meanwhile, for the 49ers, um, you know, they entered this uh, home matchup at eight six. You know, they currently sit as the sixth seed in the wild card race. They're coming off the heels of a heart blood inducing overtime victory over the Cincinnati Bengals um, in week 14, 26 to 20. Um, you know, this is a game that they put on the heat on Joe Burrow and uh, Jimmy G actually had one of his best games um, with George Kittle. Um, you know, they went connection to connection. They actually were a good one, two punch in this game. And Brennan Ayu came in clutch um, with that game winning touchdown in overtime. And the Niners, 
they finished their two-game road trip, um, splitting it at one apiece, um, losing to Seattle and obviously winning in Cincinnati. Um, but if they want to maintain their place in the playoff race, like I said, they currently sit at the sixth seed. They're going to have to win out. Um, and these these teams that they're going to be facing, you know, three of the four teams that they're going to be facing, you know, they're beatable. They're very beatable. Um, even um, on a short turnaround on Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans, it's pretty beatable. So they're going to have to win out. Um, and once they get to the Week 18 matchup against the Rams, we'll see what happens from there. And they also have to hope that the other bottom feeders, like the Eagles and Washington, who are going to pretty much devour each other alongside the rest of the NFC East, um, will, you know, you know, they will feast on one another. The Saints, they're pretty much done. Um, the Falcons, well, we face them. And we'll, we'll see what else happens from there. So they pretty much have to hope the others fall flat on their face. So some keys to the victory for both teams. For the Falcons, you know, you got to pound the ball down the Niners' throats with um, their running back duo of Mike Davis and Cordell Patterson. You know, the Niners did a good job of limiting uh, Joe Mixon um, last week. You know, even though he got some good chunk plays, um, it was pretty much like one or like, limiting them to what one or um five yarders for joe mixon and you know the niners did a good job of limiting that you know making joe burrow beat them through the air try to beat them through the air um i think just like with the just like the niners the falcons are also a run heavy team um because that's because um matt ryan just has a limited um receiving core outside of kyle pitts so um mike davis and Cordell patterson um I think Arthur Smith should uh, lean a little bit heavier towards towards those two and pounce the ball on the Niners because their run defense is pretty so-so. It's pretty so-so and kind of inconsistent at best. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Russell Gage, um, that that little receiving tandem, they need to create separate separation against a bad um, Niners secondary. You know, like I said, time and time again, this Niners secondary is pretty bad. It is not good at all. Um, you know. Kyle Pitts is pretty talented. He's pretty good. Um, problem is, it's just like he doesn't do well. He, he hasn't been doing well in recent weeks, and actually for a good half of the season. And, you know, this could be a game for Pitts and Russell Gage um, to have to do do well in, to do not to not do nicely in. But in order for them to do that, they need to to burn the likes of Josh Norman or Ambry Thomas or Talona Hufunga. So in order for them to do that, they need to be out those, those guys. And they have to create opportunities for Matt Ryan to do so. Now for the 49ers, um, Jimmy G has to be consistent. He has to carry over that positive momentum, that good performance he had against the Bengals, and do the same against the Falcons. He has to be real good in this game. Not the Jimmy G we saw in week 13 against San Francisco and we need to see the one that we saw last week against the Bengals. We you can't have a repeat of two years ago. Remember two years ago when Jimmy G played lights out against the New Orleans Saints in that thriller of a matchup and then the following week the, the Niners just shit their pants. They were like pretty much uh yeah we we we're we're just not gonna play um to our potential against against a Falcons team that was pretty much um, all but done at that point. And they had 
Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. And that's it. <laughs> that was it in that game. So they can't, he can't have a repeat of two years ago where he just shit the bed. They just shit the bed. And then the secondary, they got, they actually have to help out the pass rush because the pass rush in the Cincinnati game, they were able to mask at least for the most part, um, their issues. Um, but the secondary actually needs to help them out against Atlanta's receivers. You know, it's plain and simple. You know, our secondary is garbage. Um, you know, but the Falcons offense is not that great either. Um, and this is the Niners chance before they head off to Tennessee and week and on, on, on a Thursday night, this is the Niners chance to get, to get the secondary, you know, some positive momentum, you know, have its corners and its safeties shadow, um, route to route the Falcons receiving core. And, you know, this should be, this should be like preparation for a big week 16 matchup against the Tennessee Titans. Otherwise, like, what are you here for? <laughs> what are they here for? So, Prediction-wise, you know, this is going to be a desperation game for the Falcons, and it could be so for the 49ers. Um, the Falcons are going to be very desperate in this one. They're going to be wanting to go 7-7, try to get back in that playoff race, try to overtake Washington for the, for the seventh and final playoff spot. But unlike two years ago where the Falcons actually managed to upset the 49ers because um, the Niners just decided to lay an egg in that one, they the, the Falcons don't have the talent, especially on defense, to pull off the trap upset again they, they really don't so unless the Niners just want to overlook them again um they just want to be like oh no we're not gonna play we're, we're, we're too good for the likes of Atlanta expect them to take care of their business um and get an important an important playoff tiebreaker as they improve to eight and six and they fly off to Tennessee on a Thursday night so, what do you guys think will happen in this uh, Week 15 matchup um, against the Atlanta Falcons at home? Let me know how you feel. Let me know how you feel, however you can. But that is it for this episode of Very Cold Lasagna, recapping the San Francisco 49ers again um, in their Week 14 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals and talking about their Week 15 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Hopefully, they continue to build on this momentum heading into that delusional, crazy playoff <laughs> playoff uh, run that backdoor entrance into the playoffs but sound off however you can in any way possible make sure to listen to the show on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify anchor fm and google Podcasts. follow the show on social media on twitter and instagram at very cold lasagna i am dylan lasagna signing out of today's show thank you for tuning in thank you for letting me into your homes your 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 phones, however it is, um, whatever you want to describe it as. But anyway, keep that lasagna very cold in the fridge with your takes on the world of pro wrestling and sports in general. Very cold in the fridge, inside that tasty, yet very cold and very frozen, but also spicy as hell, lasagna. And until next time, peace out.